We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, Coachable family? I hope you are excited for this week's episode as much as I am. I'm your host, Tori Gordon, and today I have the pleasure of being in studio with the infamous NQ. He is a Emmy-nominated award winner. He is just one of the most fantastic poets I have ever had the pleasure of hearing his work that inspires so many people around the world. And you guys are going to be in for a treat this week because he's going to bless us with some of his spoken word poetry, which is sure to touch you right in the heart and in the feel. So this is the second time on the show and I'm excited to dive in in person. Welcome back. Thank you so much. Yeah. We were just talking off camera a little bit about just your art form in general and your incredible talent. We're here in Vegas today. So there's something called Arcadia Festival that you're in town for and you're speaking at and we're doing workshops at. Um, and one of the things you said right before we, we hit record was like, um, we were getting all of the cameras set up and he was like, I wish I could just sometimes disappear. And I was wanting us to hit record so that you can kind of tell us a little bit more about that. Like what, when you say, I wish I could disappear, how does that relate to your work? Cause you were just telling me a little bit about what that means to you in terms of how you can bring that forward into the world so that it like really, really lands with people. What does disappearing mean? Oh, I'm clearly like the source and the vehicle for my art, but I'm also like the obstacle to connecting with the audience because mm -hmm. they have to get past my package, mm -hmm. <laughs> my identity. Mm -hmm. And the reality is I'd rather that they just kind of like experience the art. So sometimes on stage, even though I have to be there, I wish I could like disappear so that people could just see a mirror of themselves through the words. Mm. Do you feel like when people are hearing your, your poetry and, and your work, they're, connecting with you as the individual, or do you feel like people are able to kind of tap? I know it in my experience of hearing your work, like I hear you as the vehicle, I hear your voice, but I also feel something deeper within myself and within my own being in that reflection of 
like your experience or your emotion, like I can see that within myself. Do you feel like people are coming up against you, Adam, or are they able to, to like, what is that thing that helps you to connect into like what's happening on the inside of you versus just externally? Um, well, I definitely create from things that are inspiring to me, things that are moving to me, things that make me angry. Mm -hmm. So it always starts in a place of truth. Um, but there's a difference between creation and presentation. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and, um, when I'm presenting, I have other things like I want people to like my poetry. I want the show to go well. Mm -hmm. I want blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And that can be an obstacle to just giving it away. Yeah. I don't really take a lot of responsibility for how people perceive me because mm -hmm. it's like a fool's errand and I can't confine it to one thing. Cause it's probably everything. Anytime I do a show, um, everybody's having different thoughts and feelings throughout the show. Right. Um, whether they're like actually connected to what I'm saying or whether they're triggered by what I'm saying, you know, I keep showing up. Yeah. Yeah. Open to, have a new experience with people while I'm sharing my work. What are you inspired by right now? That's like driving your creative process and what was wanting to come through you in your work right now. I just try to be as present as I can. Um, and for somebody that thinks as much as I do, that can be a challenge. Mm. Um, but like in the Uber drive over, I just had this like great conversation with this guy and um, he was telling me all about his life. And unfortunately recently he's been laid off and he just started driving Uber to kind of like put food on the table. Mm. Those are his words. And he told me about like his life story. And um, we just got into this like really deep, random momentary connection, mm -hmm. you know? And Sometimes like I'll go to parties or, you know, events mm -hmm. or festivals, whatever it is. And I don't drop in as deep as I just did with my Uber driver. Mm -hmm. So that was like something that stood out in reality. Do I know that that will make it into a piece specifically? No. But like if I pay attention to a real connection with someone or, you know, bird that flies by in a really beautiful way or something that just stands out in the world. Mm -hmm. um, and I start a piece from that place, then the rest of the piece will almost start to write itself if mm -hmm. I give it enough time and space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's something I was thinking about recently is like presence is the prerequisite for connection. Mm. You know, why does you think about that? Like what happened? I was, um, it's, I mean, it, many, many moments of my own kind of in self-reflection and self-work of realizing what are the moments for me that are, feel the most meaningful and intimate and true and in deep. And what is the deepest longing of my heart, which is connection, real intimate connection, real being seen and seeing someone else and being in that space of togetherness and unity and thinking about what prevents us from that. What keeps us from going there? Was and, there a moment that that mm, came up though? Like did something happen in your life that you were like, 
man, I fucking you know, connect. You know, well, whatever. one of the things I was thinking about, so I don't know if you know this, but in 2011, I lost my sister to leukemia. I'm so sorry. Thank you. And we had to take her off life support. So I was there with her when that happened. And um, I was thinking about presence and, and the presence that is you, that is me, that emanates this body. It's not just our body. It's like the, the, the life force that's being expressed through me yeah. is my presence. And that is felt when someone is absent, when someone is gone, you're missed, you miss their presence. Mm-hmm. So when she, we took her off life support and she made that holy transition, like I'm in this moment with her and, and literally witnessing the transcendence of her soul. Mm-hmm. And there was a moment where she's there in her body with us, her presence is there and then it's not. Yeah. And how deeply that presence requires you to be in this moment, but it's also the felt sense of someone, the presence of feeling someone else's presence with you and how without it connection is fleeting or it's just not tangible in the same way. Um, And so it just made me realize that not just my presence is who I am, but also being present Mm -hmm. is the portal to connecting to all that, all possibility, all that is love, the love that I felt for her, the love that I feel for, for those around me is the most deeply accessible when I'm present with that feeling versus thinking about that feeling, you know, or, and yeah, so that's something. I like the, uh, that Norman Rockwell painting, you know, when he's like painting himself in the mirror, Mm -hmm. painting himself in the mirror, painting himself in the mirror, and it just goes on for infinity. Like the more you think about presence, the farther you get away from it. Yeah. Yeah. You just have to be presence Mm -hmm. and there's nothing that would bring you more into presence than I mean, ecstasy or, or tragedy, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. That brings so, you right into that. Yeah. The reality. How are you creating more of that in your life now? Oh, man. I think it's an intentional cultivation of slowing down a lot of times and recognizing. So within my community that I'm building, which is very intentional, we're creating spaces for that level of connection, not just hanging out and like having a good time, but also intentionally like my being is I care about all of the things that are happening around us, but like also like, how are you? So just like in my last night out, we were at this festival and I found myself in the middle of all these people. Like I just would rather go in a corner and like really sit and like talk to somebody and see how they're doing. You know what I mean? Um, And listening to that voice and letting that voice lead the way versus thinking about, what's socially acceptable or what's everyone else doing or da, 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 da. like really like letting my, my heart lead me where it wants to take me and being there fully be here. Now I love Ram Dass's, you know, idea of just be here, you know, or am I here or am I here? And I'm, you know, am I somewhere else? Am I thinking about what I, you know, what people are thinking of me and all of the other things. It's just like letting, like, like you were saying, the disappearing, letting me kind of wash away and come into connection with the person with me and in a way that it's not mask to mask, it's face to face. Yeah. 
that's I'm good. sorry. Can you repeat that? I was thinking about something else. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're not present. <laughs> like, I'm not here for it. <laughs> that's amazing. That was such a dad joke. Ah, uh, I love it. So, um, I would love for people to get a sense for the work that you do and really feel, and I hope those listening will like let yourself, whether you're driving or whatever, like maybe take a moment to listen to this, but then re-listen to this where you can drop in. Because I think that what Adam shares in, in Q, which is he, what he's known for, is all about inquiring within. Like, I really want you to inquire within. What does this bring up for you? What is it? make alive within your own heart? And what is like, can you see yourself in the words? Can you feel yourself in the words that he shares? And I want people to be able to experience that if you're open to sharing some of your work with us. Sure. Yeah. Which one would you like? Father time would be great if that's, okay. yeah, if you're open to sharing that one. I'm staring at the number wondering if I should call. I can hear the tick-tock from the clock on the wall as it meshes with the thump-thump beat of my heart. Sometimes getting something started is the hardest part. I didn't meet my dad until I was 15. I'd seen his photograph, but his image was sickening. A coward with a dick, but no balls to back it up. See, when he left me as a kid, I had cause for acting up. The funny thing about hate is the person you hate doesn't feel that hate. You feel that hate, but wait, the weight can be too much for a person to take. And personally, I was hurt, so I just locked it away. I was angry all the time. And I didn't know why. I couldn't handle my rage, so I would hide it inside, pretending everything was fine became a daily pastime. Time passed, and I started to believe in my own lies. I took it out on my mom because she raised me alone. The rage that I couldn't own had left me totally numb. It was like landmines in my mind that I didn't understand, so when the boy inside cried, the young man outside yelled. I think I learned about my masculinity from TV. The people weren't real, so I knew they couldn't leave me. I would sit there for hours right in front of the tube. The images that I saw were my depiction of truth. It was manhood in a box, and I bought into it. The censorship of anything inside of me that's sensitive. The sentences, a lifetime of tears suppressed in a stone face, an overblown ego they've distracted through a paper chase. Back when I was nine, I imagined in my mind that my father was a spy working for the FBI, and that's why he couldn't stop by a writer drop a line. He was off saving our lives from the bad guys. But that was just a lie that I used to get by so that you wouldn't see the tears welling up in my eyes. When you're rejected by the person that you're created by, you secretly feel like you don't have a right to your life. I thought if I confronted him, then it would make it all right. But since I couldn't forgive him, it just recycled my spite. I remember meeting him for the first time. Every time a person passed by, I would ask, Mom, is that him? I look a little like him, right? No? Oh. 
What about that guy? And that was what it was like to meet the man that gave me my life. To shake his hand and look into his eyes. We talked till he apologized, then said our goodbyes. I walked away on my own, then I began to cry. Now, for years after that, I acted like it's all resolved. I had told him what I thought, so I figured problem solved, but it just re-evolved. My insecurities were eating at my mental health. I took it out on the world because I hated myself. That's when I finally decided I needed some help. I opened up. I started writing and sharing about my past. I got honest with myself and I started chipping at my mask. I looked into the mirror and confronted what I saw, accepting the reflection by embracing every flaw, then directing the connection into breaking down the walls by reflecting the perfection of the God inside us all. I stopped focusing on everything that I had been hateful for, and I started focusing on everything I could be And personally, there is a lot that you can be thankful for. If pain is dragging you down, just cut the ankle cord. That's when the weight lifted and I really started living. It's when my hate shifted and I really started giving. It's when my fate twisted. It was like an ego exorcism. Your mind state can be the most powerful of prisons. My father never played catch with me or gave advice. But if nothing else, that man gave me my life. And that's enough for me. If that's all he can ever give. Because I'm appreciative for every day I get to live. And even though I don't need my dad to validate me, I thought that I should write this poem to thank him for creating me. Because every moment that we are alive is like a gift. And if that's not enough to forgive, then what is? I'm staring at the number wondering if I should call. I can hear the tick-tock from the clock on the wall as it meshes with the thump-thump beat of my heart. Sometimes getting something started is the hardest. I pick the phone up. The dial tone begins to sing. I punch his number into it and it begins to ring. Ring. Hello, Mike. Hey, man, it's, uh, it's Adam. Your son. So powerful. Thank you for that. <sighs> I feel it. I feel that. That's, it's really beautiful to hear your own alchemy of that whole process. Like to, to like hear the story of your wrestling with this pain and this identity and this story of not being wanted or not feeling loved or accepted and then like the transcendence of that into gratitude and and ultimately love and 
Our next partner is AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. I drink AG1 literally every day and I started to give them a try because I realized that in order to be the real champion of my life, I've got to take care of my body. It's truly an absolute non-negotiable. I drink AG1 in the morning before I start my day and it makes me feel like I'm doing something good for my body as a positive first action and habit of my day. Because I've realized that one small thing that I do is the quickest way that I can create lasting change in my life. I think about it like this, my choices, my actions, they matter. So I think of drinking AG1 as a choice. It's like a vote for the person that I want to become. Someone who's balanced, vibrant, healthy, full of energy. And that's why I love AG1. It tastes so great and gives me everything that I need to feel my best. So if a comprehensive solution is what you need for your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash coachable. That's drinkag1.com slash coachable. Check them out today. I want to say a quick thank you to our sponsor of this week's episode, Camuso Design. Camuso is one of my all-time favorite brands because they are not just a jewelry brand. They are truly my hack for relieving anxiety and stress in my day-to-day life. And I'm about to tell you why. I wear their shift necklace. It is an absolutely beautiful stainless steel necklace that is designed in such a way to help you relieve stress and be more calm. And genuinely, that's exactly what it does. I wear this all the time because all I have to do is breathe. I, as you guys know, I'm a breathwork facilitator. I absolutely love the power of breath. And with the Camuso Design Shift Necklace, it is a simple, beautiful reminder that hangs around my neck to remind me to stop, slow down, breathe deeply, and allow my body to do the rest because we truly are our own medicine if we allow ourselves to be. So with this necklace, all I have to do is take a deep inhale through my nose and breathe out through this beautifully crafted necklace. I breathe into the necklace itself. And what it does is it naturally elongates my exhale, helping me to downregulate into my parasympathetic nervous system, feel calmer and clearer in just a few seconds. This is the best thing you can do for yourself is gift yourself the gift of calm with Camusa Design or a friend. I gave these away when I was at Burning Man on the playa and every single person that I gifted one to was so grateful and amazed. They have beautiful stains for women, men, and children. So this is one of the absolute like favorite things I have in staples in my closet, but also one of my very favorite wellness secrets that I'm no longer keeping secret. So make sure you guys go over to camusodesign.com slash coachable to get 15% off your order today. That is camusodesign.com, K-O-M-U-S-O design.com slash coachable and receive 15% off your order. Now back to our episode. I think what you do so well is you, you're able to take pain, the pain that you've been through, the pain that's happening in the world, and you alchemize it through your words into, into power, into medicine. And that's then healing for, for, I would assume yourself, but also those that, that hear your words. What is that process like for you when you write something so personal and so like you put your process out into this piece of art 
is that, I would imagine, what's that therapy like for you? Is it therapeutic to? Yeah, it is. It's also though, like, um, forgive the cliche, but it's like creatively giving birth or something. Mm. So it's also a bit painful mm-hmm. to like go back to different places that I'm not in on a day-to-day basis, but that are still like impacting my experience of my life mm-hmm. <laughs> in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always feel like, I don't know, honored maybe uh, is the right word when something like comes through me. You know, it might start in something that I'm curious about or something that's unresolved for me, something I want to manifest or something I want to release. And it might like go through the lens of my experience. But I also just think creativity exists outside of whoever is using it. Mm -hmm. These ideas are floating around just waiting for somebody to grab them and um, put them into their own art, Mm -hmm. um, however that shows up. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's just, for me, so much of... So much of like my healing, although it's been very, very personal when I think about like the people who inspire me and who've like kind of lit the way for my path, it was always people sharing their stories of adversity and pain and challenge for the moments where I've been in my darkest times and like needed a light for somebody to turn on a light and say like, there's a path forward. And I think your words illuminate that for people um, in the sense that how you feel today, how ever dark or painful or challenging that is in hearing your, your process in your path, it like shows people that there's a way out that it doesn't always have to be the way it is right now. And I think sometimes we get lost in that. We think that right now or our perspective is just what it is and we get stuck in it, but you give these people like a, a zoomed out perspective, maybe that they didn't have before Um, I mean, I'm definitely giving it to myself first. Mm -hmm. That's the thing that uh, I wish I could preface before Mm -hmm. every one of my shows in a way that didn't come off pretentious. But like, I actually, the last thing I would ever want to do is be preachy. I don't think I know anything more than anyone. Yeah. But when I write, I go into like a little bit of a vortex and I'm talking to myself. Mm -hmm. I'm the first person in my audience. I'm giving myself reminders of the life that I want to live, how to like be the best version of me in the world. Mm -hmm. And then I hope that people hear that and reflect that back onto their own life, no matter what the circumstances are. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So much of your work is I mean, your book is called Inquire Within. It's all about self-awareness and raising consciousness and and creating, you know, the life that you want to live and being this like level of spiritual connection that you have just even through your writing and through your words and presence, obviously that's felt very deeply. Like, where does that come from? What is your, are you a spiritual person? What does that look like for you and has 
this type of writing around personal transformation and just like a you have a depth that a lot of poets don't. So I'm curious, like, where does that come from for you? Like your, your personal journey with, well, like the conversation we were having earlier about presence, Mm -hmm. that clearly is something that sparks you. Mm -hmm. And if you decided to create a poem around that, you have things that you want to explore there. Mm -hmm. And that really is about God, yeah. spirituality, um, however you want to mm-hmm. say it, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I think for me, it's the same thing. It's like I'm just actually like I am living my life and I am observing my life. And when I can get into that observer state, mm-hmm. I can like notice something, you know, and it just will like kind of get a little more vibrant than everything else. My wife has been like um, practicing guitar and singing and she's a little self-conscious cause she, she doesn't, I guess to her own ears have like the best voice. Mm-hmm. So she was like laughing with me the other day and she was like, you don't like it when I, and I sing and I was like, that's so not true. Mm-hmm. I was like, I absolutely love it. And then I said to her, you have as much right to sing as Nina Simone. Mm. You know, you have as much right to paint as Pablo Picasso. And then I went, huh, I like that. So then I wrote it down. And that will be kind of like the beginning of peace. Mm. Um, I think being human is being spiritual. Tell me more about that. I mean, (laughs) everything is made of energy. Mm. Uh, it's infinite in, into ourselves. It's infinite out into the universe. Life doesn't get replaced. It gets transformed. I don't know what the fuck that means, mm-hmm. but I know that um, I feel just about as true as anything else that I've ever heard. Yeah. Um, and I know that it's a miracle to be here. We were literally in a race against, you know, on the low end, a hundred million sperm. And on the high end, I think it's like 350. Mm-hmm. And like everybody won. Yeah. Everybody won. And <laughs> we walk around like we're mistakes. Yeah. Um, we're, we're supposed to be here. Mm. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I'd love to hear one more of your poems. If you're one of your favorites, anything that you, really enjoy you know sharing. i'm gonna do one that's really old i would love that and uh it's also from inquire within but i'm gonna tell you why i want to do this piece i did it last night at arcadia and i hadn't done it in years mm. i mean literally years i think this is like 12 years old or something and the reason why i wanted to do it was because earlier at dinner i was like waiting for my food and I was scrolling and I passed something that was an article um, that um, the Japanese have just created a technology. Uh, I don't know whether it's going to go to market yet, but they have created this tech where they will be able to record some version of your dreams and then play them back. Oh, wow. Which, if you think about how that would change 
our understanding of dream world versus Psyche, reality. Yeah. I mean, exponential, you know, or just the unconscious mind. Right. So I was like, wow. And then I remembered I had put that very thing in this piece well, like 12 years earlier. And so I read it while I was waiting for my salmon salad. Hmm. <laughs> and then I was like, I'm going to do it in the show. So yeah. I feel like I should do it. Here. Let's do it. I won't be surprised when the aliens arrive. I won't be surprised when our government collapses. I won't be surprised when the tornado comes or the earthquake happens or the typhoon crashes. I won't be surprised when I start seeing ghosts or a tsunami wipes out the whole East Coast or an underground volcano vaporizes Sweden or Hawaii has a snowstorm that rivals those in Cleveland. I won't be surprised when machines take over. They tried to warn us in the Terminators in the Matrix. I won't be surprised when the zombies attack and start roaming through the streets, biting off people's faces. I won't be surprised when the oil runs out or the water runs out or the food runs out or the air runs out and we have to pay a company to breathe in and out and we have to wear a mask every time we leave the house out scrounging for supplies trying to survive on what little scraps we can find shit i won't be surprised if an epidemic spreads from the city to the countryside killing everyone in sight except for a lucky few who just so happen to be immune and band together after the disaster to build a commune see i won't be surprised if the aztecs are right and the bees go extinct and a meteor collides and we skip world war three and four to jump to five bombs dropping from the sky me i won't be surprised but i also won't be surprised when i fall in love and i won't be surprised when technology advances i won't be surprised when we solve global warming and create microbots to eat up all the carbon in our atmosphere I won't be surprised when we cure all disease or we learn to operate beyond our personal needs or we build a machine that records our dreams and projects them so we can analyze every scene. I won't be surprised when we legalize drugs and then use all the taxes for infrastructure and education. I won't be surprised when we feed the whole world with a seed they created in a laboratory station. I won't be surprised when corporations start taking moral responsibility for what they do and stop shipping jobs overseas for slave labor and then using the global economy as their excuse. I won't be surprised when religion doesn't matter and country doesn't matter and color doesn't matter and gender doesn't matter and preference doesn't matter, because in the end, matter doesn't really even matter. So I won't be surprised if we fuck until we're one race, then colonate a planet somewhere out in outer space where we figure out that human cells are really just universes making up a different person in another time and place. That shit's deep. But if it happens, I won't be surprised. I'll be sitting back like, I fucking tried to tell you guys. 
Oh man, we got like a prophet in here. That's incredible. I mean, the parallels are insane. Yeah, uh, even the epidemic. Yeah. Thing. I mean, I literally have not performed that thing. I can't recall. I put it in Inquire Within, but it was something I kind of like removed from some of like the normal Rolodex of my sets. So it's <laughs> interesting to be re-reminded. Mm -hmm. Some pieces, the older that I get, the more experience I have in life, the less I'm connected to them. Mm. And some actually age out. Yeah. You know, I realize I don't believe that anymore or like how I view it has changed or it doesn't match with the times anymore. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes they get deeper. Yeah. And they get more relevant. So. Yeah. I mean, to think about the state of the world and where we are right now and the fact that you wrote, wrote that 12 years ago is uncanny to see what, you know, where the state of the world is today. And the idea that we could be recording our dreams as fast, it would be incredibly fascinating. Well, I never remember my dreams. So. No. It would be cool to the unconscious mind. See what, yeah, where it takes you, and what there. comes out of it. Yeah, what are you working on right now? Like, what do you? What is? What's um, your world look like? What's work look like? Well, I have a lot of shows. Like, mm -hmm. I get booked on a lot of like, um, I would say corporate gigs, mm -hmm. um, community gigs, festival gigs. Mm -hmm. um, I do a lot of workshops. Yeah. So a lot of people bring me in to help foster uh, creativity mm -hmm. within a group of people, whether that's like a corporate team or whether it's a community mm -hmm. like you have. Um, and I love doing that because I love spoken word and poetry. And some of the best experiences I've ever had art-wise was when I was in the audience watching other poets on stage. So I like to... Um, change people's perception of what they think poetry is, um, expand their minds around it, and also give them an experience of tapping into uh, who they are as poets. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know how many shows we're going to do this year, like 60 to 80 or something. Oh, wow. So it's a lot. Yeah. So you're traveling all over and just going yeah. from event to event. That's amazing. Yeah. So um, since the book came out, how, because I spoke with you, I think, recently, Right after the book came out, yeah. it was around that time. Um, do you think you'll do another one? Is that something you think you'll continue to do? Well, so the next project we're going to do, um, I guess I can say it here because it really doesn't matter one way or the other. You know, uh, We're doing something next year, so it's a little bit um, off. But I created an album. And um, when I created the album, I wasn't really sure if I was going to share it. Mm. Like it was much more about um, the process than the product. Mm -hmm. And then once I finished, it was like so personal that I really wasn't sure I wanted to share it. Um, but uh, I like previewed it to some of my friends, you know, whose opinions that I really respect around like art and vulnerability mm -hmm. and just got an overwhelming response that I kind of had to put it out. Yeah. So, um, so that's what we're working on right now. And we're going to do an accompanying journal with it that allows other people to have an opportunity to go on their own healing journey um, through writing their own poetry based on the different poems that are on the album with prompts mm. that kind of spark different things. 
That's incredible. Yeah. Do you have a, that's next year? Yeah, we're going to put it out for sure uh, next year, okay. next May for mental health. Oh, exciting. Exciting. Well, you are, you're one of a kind. You really are. Your presence is deeply, deeply felt um, in the room with you, but like in your words and it touches the hearts and minds of people that hear it all over the world. So it's a very, it's a, it's a real honor and a pleasure to be able to have this conversation and have you in the studio and have you take your time because you could be a million other places. So it means the world. If you want people to connect with you or book you for potential events or whatever, we please tell people where they can find you and how they can get in touch. Yeah. You can go to my website, which is in Q.com. So in Q is um, in question. Mm-hmm. So it's in Q.com. Or you can follow me on Instagram or <laughs> any of those things. I'm at NQ Life. And um, I appreciate you having me. Yeah. If you want to get Inquire Within, you can do that. I have an Amazon special, uh, NQ Live at the Ace Theater. There's a lot of stuff out there, videos. Yeah. Um, but I want to say that you're one of a kind, too. Mm. And everybody that's listening to this, you're one of a kind. And uh, thank you for listening to our conversation and my poetry. Yeah, absolutely. We'll put all of that information in the show notes. As you guys know, I hope that today's episode touched you in your heart, that you will go apply something that you learn. Maybe that's just getting, getting present with yourself, noticing those tiny little moments that's happening in an Uber or in the shower or a bird that's flying by that you'll take the time to notice your life, become aware of what's happening around you so that you can experience it be with it, feel it, because life is happening right here, right now. You've never been in your future. Your past is behind you, so be here now. I love you guys. We'll see you next week on the Coachable Podcast.